guys and ladies, like we've done all through the week. Let's bow our heads, talk to God a little bit. We do that by trusting that he hears us because Jesus has made a way. So let's pray to him now. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this week. Thank you for all the incredible leaders that we've had to put this on. Thank you for these amazing children. Lord, we are really, truly blessed. Father, you, you say children are a blessing, and we truly believe that. We've seen that this week. Thank you for blessing us with all these kids. Lord, I pray that you would help our hearts to hear what you say through your word. Lord, I pray that you would challenge every one of us to know when that day comes that we have to decide what we believe about Jesus, what we individually believe about Jesus. I pray that you would give us the faith. I pray that you would open our eyes to see, that you would quicken our hearts, that you would make us alive inside so we would believe and trust in you, God. I pray particularly for these young men and young women as they get to an age where they can understand that they would make that decision to follow you. Help us, Lord, to see that in your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So just like we've done every day, we're going to open up the scriptures and we're going to talk about what God said to us in the Bible. So today, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. I'm going to read this story. It's a little bit longer, but it goes really quick and it's easy to understand. So I want you all to track with me a little bit here. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. If you have a Bible, love to have you turn open to that. If not, I will read you the whole thing, all right? Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Guys and gals, there's so many amazing things about this story. We're going to focus on one of them, and that's that the Scriptures is what changed a person's heart. But there's amazing things here to teach us about the need to share our faith, because that's what Philip does. The amazing people that God gives his church with, like deacons, Philip was a deacon, it teaches us that it's okay for a Middle Eastern man to go talk to a man from Africa because God created us all. There's so many amazing things. But today, I want our hearts and our minds to focus and listen to what God did and how God set this whole thing up. As we read about one of the richest guys in the New Testament, he owned a scroll. That's incredible to think. These things were worth tens of thousands of dollars because they were hand copied. This was one of the goats, all right? We talked about this, how the Bible came to be. We've got pictures up there from a, printed on a Gutenberg press of the Bible. We've got all this. We talked about all this stuff. But this was written down by hand on about a 40 to 50 foot long scroll and this man owned one. Listen to what God does through his scripture. So verse, Acts chapter 8, verse 26 says, Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go to the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. By the way, that road they were driving there to Qumran and that desert, the scrub brush and all that, that's like really close. We're, that's what this would have looked like. This is a desert place. Yeah, understatement of the year. It's, it's barren. Nothing there. And he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. 
He had come to Jerusalem to worship. We sometimes think that, that God was just a Jewish God. He's not. He did chose the Jewish people to, to bring His message to the world. The people from all over the globe had come and to hear about the truth of the one living God. This man had done just exactly that. Verse 28, And he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. That one we've talked about. If you went to Israel today, you could go to the Jerusalem Museum, which is an amazing, amazing place. And kids, if you walk through, it's pretty cool. Those, those big pots that we saw, we even made some pottery ourselves, right? How many of y'all had your pottery break already? I know one of my kids did, right? Yeah, yeah. But this big, giant pot, they stood about this tall. The museum looks like a big, giant pot. It really does. It's really cool. It's big, curved, and beautiful. And you walk inside, and around in a big circle, as you look around, you are surrounded by the words of the prophet Isaiah. That scroll was written at least 200 B.C. Some people think as old as 500 B.C. It was written, in other words, way before Jesus was born. And in that scroll, quotes Isaiah, who wrote about 700 years before Jesus was born. And it says he would be born in Bethlehem. He would be born to a virgin. He would be born as part of the family of David and in line to be heir and throne on the throne of Israel. It says that he would suffer, that he would die. It also says that he would raise again. And so this man is reading this scroll. Now, that's no easy task. This was not a compact chariot, all right? He's got the big old Yukon chariot version. Because again, these things are huge, and he's up there reading this thing as somebody else is driving him down the, the road here. And listen to what happens. This interaction is so cool. Verse 29, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? So this is the equivalent of driving down the highway, rolling down the window and saying, hey, what you up to, man? What you listening to? I mean, it's, it's, it's odd to say the least. And I, my brain, this is, this, is, this is why I work with kids because they can picture this. All right, so kids, I want you to picture this. Big, huge chariot. Rich dude on it, reading the scroll. There's all these horses pulling it, and there's just, hey! Like running along. And it was just comical. But then, guys and ladies, listen to how God had prepared. He, he had this set up, He had it planned for 700 years for when He wrote this down. Do you understand what you're reading? Verse 31, here's what the gentleman says. How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Listen to what, this is out of the book of Isaiah. It's a quote out of Isaiah. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shears is silent, he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. Now, that sounded really complicated, all right, kids? I know some of y'all understand it, but probably some of y'all didn't, and that's okay. What Isaiah was saying is that Jesus, 700 years before it happened, 
Jesus was going to be taken like a sheep and killed. And that Jesus wouldn't fight back. Jesus, God of the universe, here in flesh, let people hang him on a cross. And this Bible verse says, this is what God did for you. This is what God did for you. It says just a few verses earlier that all of our sins, all of our iniquities, all that wrong was placed upon Christ. And this is what Jesus was doing on that cross. He was paying for my sin and for yours. He was paying the debt that we owe. Remember that verse we talked about this week, kids, that he paid the ransom? This is it. This is what we're talking about right here. Verse 34, it says this. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? He was confused when he read the Bible the first time too. That's normal. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Can you dig it? Right? That, that, like, that's what he did. He didn't probably sing the Can You Dig It song. He might have got a few of those. I don't know. But he told him the good news. Verse 36. And they were going along the road, and they came to some water. So they see some water out there. It probably was the Jordan River. And the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Verse 38. And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they went down to the water. And Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. This was a showing, it was a visible sign that the eunuch, the man from Ethiopia, had trusted Christ. He said, yeah, I believe it. This is what I want. I trust Jesus. And he gave an outward sign of that. So they came up out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. Dude just disappears. All right, kids? You know I can't do a normal Bible story, right? He poof, gone. All of a sudden, Philip's somewhere else. And the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Philip found himself at Azotus, that's about 80 miles away. As he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Big town. We don't know what happened to that eunuch. There's, there's no more writing about him in scriptures or anything else. What we do know is that Ethiopia became one of the early centers of Christianity. Christianity spread like a flood across Ethiopia. You can go there and see some of the oldest church buildings in the world. As a matter of fact, the oldest church building in the world is either one place in Jerusalem, probably by the tomb where Jesus was buried, or this place in Ethiopia. God changed people back then. God changed this guy, Philip. And can you imagine what he was thinking this whole time? This poor Middle Eastern dude, a nobody. The, the reason he was recognized in the church is because he was so good at helping people. That's what he did. Like He was not the big leader. He was not the guy preaching. He, he was just the guy who helped everybody. And all of a sudden, he's getting to talk to one of the richer men in the world at the time. Share the gospel. And he saw him changed. 
Jesus had 12 people follow him, the 12 disciples, right? We know one of them, Judas, betrayed Jesus. But that night when Judas betrayed Jesus, you know what the other 11 did? They ran. As a matter of fact, Peter, the only one who didn't run completely off, he was near where the trial of Jesus was going on. Do you remember what happened that night to him? It says he denied Jesus three times. He said, I don't even know him the first time. The second time, he said, I don't even know what you're talking about. The third time, it says a little girl. That's a very specific word in that language that it was, guys and ladies. It was somebody your age. It was somebody probably under the age of eight. And here's how scared Peter was. Big adult dude. was a fisherman. I mean, he was, I mean, he was probably built. He was a rough, tough man. And some little eight-year-old girl comes up to him. And you know what he does? The Bible says he curses her out. He cusses at her. Yells at her. Obscene words. Says, I've never even heard of the guy. That's how chicken this guy was. This is how scared he was of the Roman government. Three days later, Jesus raises from the dead. Peter actually sees him. And this guy who was scared of an eight-year-old girl preaches to so many people about a month later that 3,000 people commit to Christ. So who knows how many he preached to? He's he's shouting this out in the temple. What what could make a change in a guy like that who's scared of an eight-year-old who might tell somebody he knew Jesus to a guy who's shouting this out in the temple for everybody to hear? Guys, you all know what happened to Peter later? It's scary. It's sad. In Rome, he was crucified too. He was killed. Because he kept saying and wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. That's one story of the 11 disciples that were left. 10 of them were killed for knowing Jesus. For talking about Jesus. Because they wouldn't give up talking about Jesus. Guys, girls. I want you to think. So we've done this all week. So parents, in, just indulge me here a little bit, all right? And as I said to some of my older kids earlier today, when you do it, it helps the younger kids think about this. So I want everybody to just point to your brains for just a minute. I want you to think. And adults, I want you to think too. Do you actually take what the Bible says Seriously. We've talked about it. Most of us know something about the Bible. But do you ever take what it says seriously? And if you don't, let me ask you this. Why not? Kids, you've heard the evidence we presented this week. I mean, we saw the little short piece of it kind of a review today. But adults, have you ever actually thought about the Bible? You may assume you can just kind of be flipping about the Bible. 
because it's not really true or anything like that. It's just an old book. And it is an old book. It's thousands of years old. The newest parts of it are 2,000 years old. Have you ever actually read it? If you think you can dismiss the Bible, let me ask you, the most published book in history the first book to be printed with movable type, the invention that changed the entire world. We showed this to the kids earlier. This was printed on a Gutenberg. This is the Gutenberg Bible. It's not old. It was printed about 20 years ago, but it was printed on a real Gutenberg with real Gutenberg type. It's in German. So anybody knows German, you're welcome to read it. Otherwise, you're going to have trouble. This is a copy of the King James, also, which was also printed on Gutenberg. This is the real type from the King James. These two books absolutely changed the world. And they're both copies of Scripture. Have you ever actually read the Scriptures? Have you ever actually said, let me look if this is true or not? Because if it's true, and I believe with all my heart it is. If it's true, you ought to do what it says. You ought turn to Jesus Christ, turning from your sins to Him and saying, yeah, you're right, God, I'm not. You ought place your faith in Jesus Christ. Just like this man did. We don't even know his name. They're on that road. So let me challenge you to think about that. Kids, some of you may understand enough to do that yourselves. And so let me challenge you, kids, everybody, all these kids this week, think about what you heard. And if you understand it, you get it, you need to turn to Christ too. If you don't quite understand, that's all right. Take time to talk to your parents. Ask about it. Learn about it. And adults, don't be lazy on this one. Don't write this one off. If the Bible's true, you owe Jesus your allegiance because he's God. That's the day. That's how we end VBS. I want you to think about this question. We're going to pray. We're going to sing together one more time. And I want you to think in your heart, though, what are you going to do with this Jesus? If this book's true. He's God. And we need to turn to Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for such a good week. Lord, pray that You would help every person here. Help each one of us to look at our hearts and say, where are we at with Jesus? Help us to be, actually be honest. Help us to be honest. I pray for people maybe who have just dismissed your word. Pray that you would help them to have the boldness to actually read it. See what it says. To do some research. To actually think about these things. Lord, I pray that just as your scripture says, that if we search for you, We'll find you. And Lord, it's not because we're so good or we're so smart or we can figure it all out. It's because you're a good, gracious God. 
who looks for us first, just as you did this man riding his chariot down the road, who never planned on having his life changed that day. Help us each one to hear your true word with no errors, no inaccuracies, given as such a gracious gift to us, God. Help us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen.